and hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 182. It's titled Conspiracy Theories. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Hey there, inmates. Me again. It's a new month. Hope you're coping well with all the with all the emails from companies you've bought anything at all from over the last ten years telling you that they hope you're okay through all these uncertain times, these difficult moments, troubling periods. I think I won COVID bingo last week when I I got one that said turbulent days. Anyway, it is what it is. But genuinely I do hope you're all alright. It seems it seems fifty fifty. Um, with a lot of people. A few people have had to pause their patronage with me on Patreon for a while to save the pennies, and that's fine. If you're one of them, I still love you. All of you. Don't worry. Somebody emailed me saying they had to cancel, and they were gutted because the main reason they uh, supported me on Patreon in the first place isn't the extra episode on a Monday morning or the extra uh, hypnosis tracks that they can get. It's because they know that I use the money to help fund private therapy for people who can't afford it. And it's fine because it turns out for every one of you that's had to do that, there's somebody else who is still working and is still earning and they can afford to pay. And because they're not going out at the minute, they're listening to extra podcast episodes and they're becoming patrons. So I've had just as many join this month as leave. So it's fine. Which reminds me, big hellos go out to um, Paul, Libby, Gavin, Eve, Miriam, Kevin, Anna, Martin, Adam, Georgia, Lorraine, Caroline, Zara and Miriam. Had loads this month purely because they've got extra time and they want to listen to some extra podcasts. I blooming well love you all as well. So thank you for coming on board. Now, on to the business in hand. In a recent YouGov survey, one in five Brits believe that vaccinations have harmful effects which are being hidden despite there being publicly available scientific research that shows them actually to be safe. One in six think that the 1969 moon landings were probably fake despite the obvious fact that landing on the moon is so much easier than creating a 50-year-long worldwide conspiracy through multiple changes in government and it never ever leaking out that it was faked. In the same way that one in eight either have suspicions or they firmly believe that the earth is flat. And some of you listening may even believe some or all of those ideas, alongside the idea that the US government used to steal dead bodies from all over the world to test the effects of nuclear radiation on them. That's an interesting one. There was even a, a woman once, uh, British actually, very, very sad. Her baby was, was stillborn and she claimed that the reason she wasn't allowed to dress her baby for the funeral was because the baby's legs had been stolen by surgeons. And once you've got such a strong belief in your head, something especially with so much emotion attached to it, it's really hard to let it go. Especially when it's actually true. Because that last one, sadly, actually is. That did happen. During the mid-1950s, there was an agency within the US government that did arrange for stolen body parts from all around the world to be used in testing the effects of nuclear fallout. So when crazy stuff like that happens, 
it's not hard for people to believe equally as crazy-sounding stuff like mobile phone signals lowering the immune system and being the cause of the spread of the coronavirus or that it was a man-made bioweapon that the Chinese government deliberately set up on the world so as to bring down capitalism, which 29% of Americans believe is the case. 29%. More than one in four. Crikey. I know four Americans and I'm in the middle of England. And I can guarantee none of them believe that it's a man-made weapon bioengineered by the Chinese. Which is part of the reason for the problem. My four American friends are all in a similar demographic to me. Similar age, similar education. We're in the same tribe. And when you're in the same tribe, you feed each other. Whether you feed each other with knowledge or with myths, you live in the same bubble. In my work bubble, everyone, and I mean everyone, knows who Carl Rogers is. You know, Carl. Old Carl. The Carlster. I mean, everyone knows about Carl. Do you? You might. You probably don't, because your bubble is different to mine. You live in a different world to me. But if you only see the one world, if you only experience the one bubble then it feels like your world is the world. So it's really hard when you narrow things down like that to look outside of your belief system because it's going to go against everything that the world tells you is true. So we fall into the the psychological processes and biases like all humans do. The proportionality bias. That makes us feel that big incidents must have big causes. Like a lone gunman on his own couldn't have been responsible for assassinating John F. Kennedy because it's too big a deal. Can't have one person responsible for something so big. It must have been dozens of people. And then there's good old-fashioned confirmation bias, which steers us towards information that supports what we already believe and deletes evidence to the contrary. Like this. Let me give you a simple task. Your simple task is to work out what pattern of numbers I'm following. Work out the rule, okay? So, these numbers follow my rule. Are you ready? Two, four, eight. That's it. That's it. Now, is that all the evidence you need to work out what the pattern is? Maybe. Maybe not. So, I asked you all on Twitter if you'd like to do this, and this is what you did. I'm going to give you a sequence of three numbers that follow my rule. Your job is to work out what that rule is by giving me some numbers of your own. And I'll tell you whether they also follow my rule or not. Uh, If you ask the right questions, you'll know what the rule is then. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, here are the numbers. Okay. Two, four, eight. Now... You can give me some numbers and I'll tell you yes or no so you can work out what the rule is. So give me some numbers. 16, 32, 64. They follow the rule. Correct. So here are your three numbers. Two, four, eight. See if you can figure out the rule by giving me three numbers of your own. Uh, 16, 32 and 64. They follow the rule. Do you want to give me any more numbers to see if you can work out what the rule is? Okay. <laughs> um, 128, 
now I'm showing myself up here, 156, um, 312. Follows the rule. <laughs> that follows the rule as well. So, do you think you know what the rule is now? Yes. What's the rule? You're doubling. But do you know what the rule is? Uh, timesing yourself by two. That is not the rule. <laughs> that is not the rule. <laughs> so do you want to have one more go? Just give me uh, some random numbers. We'll see if they follow the rule. Okay. Three, six, nine. They follow the rule. Now do you know what the rule is? <sighs> yeah, it's times itself, isn't it? No. Um, Shall I tell you? The numbers go up in ascending order. They just go up. That's all. You fall into the same trap that everybody does. Mm -hmm. I gave you those three numbers, two, four, eight, that seem to double. They do double. They don't seem to. And so in order for you to figure out what the rule is, mm. you asked, you gave me numbers then that matched the existing rule. Makes sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Except the rule is the numbers just go up. As long as the numbers go up, that's the rule. It doesn't matter how far apart they are, whether they double, treble, or just one after another. Right. As long as they go up in ascending order, that's the only rule. So for you to work out what the rule was, what you needed to do was ask me a question that might get a no, that doesn't match answer. But that's not what we do. We're stupid humans. And instead, once we've got our head around, but I already know what the rule is, we only ask questions that confirm our truth. Thank you to Jody. And thanks to Josh off of Twitter, who took part in that, by the way. So, did you notice what they did? When trying to find the rule, they only asked me questions that confirmed what they already thought. That the numbers doubled each time. But that wasn't the rule. The rule was simply that the numbers went up in ascending order. Well, that was all. But because they'd made their mind up right at the start what the rule must be... The only questions they asked to find out the truth was a question that confirmed their existing belief. Yet the best way to know what the rule was would have been to ask me questions that got a no answer. But confirmation bias, this lazy trick of the mind, uh, it won't make us do that. Not naturally, not easily. We instinctively seek out the answers that confirm what we already think. And when you ask these questions in a big study, when you sit people down for 10 minutes and give them examples of, of the patterns that follow the rule and ask them to find more from a, from a list on a, on a computer program and they just tap it and it gives them a tick and they go, yay! They almost always ignore any patterns of numbers that only go up. They only click on the numbers that just keep doubling each time because they'd made their mind up about the truth with hardly any information. They filled in the blanks, as it were, and then only picked out things that matched their rule. And at the end of the study, if you say, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you knew the rule? Almost everyone says 100% confident because they kept getting the yes. They go, well, I know it. I keep doing the same thing and I keep getting the same answer, so it must be true. It's a silly, simple experiment, but it shows how easy it is to fall into the trap of confirmation bias. So we hardwired for it, and have been ever since before we were Homo sapien. Our ancestors, they were kept safe because of this. This, um, I guess it's an if-this-then-that 
belief system. That if I hear a rustle in the bushes, I'm more likely to be eaten by a tiger. So if I hear a rustle, I run for my life. And dismissing the noise as evidence of something else, like the wind, when you already have a lifelong belief at play that says that unexpected noises are dangerous, that's not going to lead to a particularly successful species. Not when we're quite low on the food chain, as we used to be. We often forget that. We, we used to be really quite low down on the food chain. We've increased ourselves since, but we used to be pretty much rock bottom, nearly. So it's good to be paranoid. It's good to question things with suspicion. Here we are in the 21st century, alive to tell the tale because of it. But we also need to be aware that we fall into this trap. That's when you do the 248 experiment and ask people for their own numbers to reply with yes, it follows the rule or no, it doesn't, they always check it against their existing belief that the numbers just double. They never look for a reason for you to say, no, that doesn't follow the rule. They always look for more ways of finding that it does. But we have frontal lobes now. We're not stupid anymore. We don't need these cognitive biases to help us with our decision-making, do we? Well, it does make life easier, sometimes. But the big issue here is that we don't like to think that we're wrong. Not consciously. Not unconsciously. Being human means we want to be right. It makes us feel safe. And admitting that we're wrong about something, especially about a world view that we so strongly associate with, like a mistrust of authority, that isn't going to happen to us overnight. You can't just jump from being a devout Christian to an atheist overnight. It would make you feel that there's something wrong with the world and something wrong with you. So it's no surprise that we give more weight to the things that we already agree with and ignore evidence to the contrary. Now, if you end up in conversation with someone who believes something that you know to be false, whether it's a conspiracy theory or any other faith in something like religion, what do you expect to see happen if all you do is tell them that they're wrong? Well, they'll dig their heels in even more, won't they? Especially if you make them out to be stupid. And I'd like to think that you wouldn't do that to someone who has a different religious faith to you. You'd be respectful. You might think that they're wrong, but hey, I'm an atheist, and the idea of a magic wizard in an alternative reality that we can't see, creating the universe with a big bang, is no stranger than a big bang happening by two other universes banging together and making ours. They're both just as odd. And both ideas leave me thinking, I don't know. And I'm okay with not knowing. I'm okay with chaos. But what if you're not? What if the unknown, a lack of order, chaos, makes you anxious? Then you'll look for an explanation. If you're ever made redundant, it's hard to answer the why me question with, well, why not? Because that implies that there's nothing important or special about you at all. But to answer it with, someone added in for me, that brings reason into the mix. It satisfies the chaos. It makes order. It makes sense. In extreme cases, conspiracy theories can cause paranoid delusions that can tip somebody over the edge. We can't forget that delusions are real. As with religion, I'd like to think that if somebody was convinced that they were being followed by aliens in human costumes, you wouldn't laugh. You wouldn't criticise. You'd think they need help. Now, a couple of decades ago, when somebody with delusions walked the streets, they had no one to take them seriously. 
Nowadays, they don't need to walk the streets. They can sit on the internet and join a group that fits their worldview. They don't feel so crazy. Not anymore. And their delusions might not even get diagnosed for years. It's only when something else happens that people around them go, huh? You're losing touch of reality, mate. Because they're just thought of as a conspiracy theorist with a grudge against the Tories or the Socialists. Well, the Masons, the Illuminati, HMRC, pretty much everybody has got some institution they don't trust. And if you've had one bad experience with an institution, then it could easily give you the worldview that all institutions are evil. If throughout your life you've been mistreated by authority, by the police, you've been marginalised by government or by society, if you were let down by the education system, if you were belittled by teachers, then you are likely to develop an emotional response to authority. Of course you are. Whether it's fight or flight, it's going to trigger something. It might make you anxious about being different, or it might make you rebel against what's thought of as the norm. Either way, it could lead to needing to believe in something bigger than yourself to explain things. It's weird. We can be anxious because we feel unwell, because we have no answer as to why we feel ill, but then feel calmer once we know the answer, even if it's bad news. We can actually feel better knowing because we like answers. And if we feel threatened, then we need to know why. And conspiracies help us. It gives us an enemy to fight, whether that's the government or Bill Gates or genetically modified organisms or the dangers of vaccines. It gives us cause we already know from so many studies that if you make somebody anxious, which you can do with just an exam, you know, a test, state anxiety, that's called, it makes people more likely to accept conspiracy theories that somebody's just made up about people from other cultures, foreigners coming over here and taking our jobs and taking our benefits, jobs and benefits, Schrodinger's foreigner, I'll call those. And that's the same for trait anxiety as well actually if we have anxious traits anyway we're more likely to accept false information about foreigners or anything as truth we'll apparently believe anything especially if it's written on the side of a bus it seems moving on let it go we also know that a chaotic childhood can especially increase this there's been Lots of research into attachment theory over the decades about a child's need for attunement, for support, and if, for any number of reasons, parents weren't as attuned to their child as much as the kid needed, then they can develop this worldview of, I am good and others are bad. It's a defence mechanism to prevent them thinking that there must be something wrong with them, which is why, if you go to the extremes... There is a correlation between narcissism and a belief in conspiracy theories. It's a defence mechanism that needs confirming with evidence throughout their life. Somebody with narcissistic traits needs to be right. I'm not talking about narcissistic personality disorder, that's different. But just simply having narcissistic traits. If you have those, then being wrong rocks your foundations. You'll fight to be right even when you're wrong, but you will still feel Right. That's the thing. And when you ask someone with such fixed views what they would need to see in order for them to change their mind, they so often say, nothing will make me change my mind. And that's the wrong answer. Remember that 248 
thing where we only ask the questions that give us a yes answer when trying to solve something. The scientific method works the opposite way around. And we need to approach the world using this scientific method because that is what exposes the truth and turns conspiracy theories into reality. Because sometimes they are. The scientific method works like this. You have a theory and you ask as many questions as you can to see if you are wrong. You investigate all the reasons why you're wrong. And it's hard because people like to stick to their theories, which is why it's usually other people that pick theories apart, looking for holes in their theory. And that's the right way to do it. But they don't stop. Someone looking to disprove a theory like a conspiracy theorist would could fall into the same trap of confirmation bias, looking for something that fits their belief and then they stop looking. No, that's wrong. Keep digging. Keep looking. Keep trying to prove or disprove the theory by trying to disprove it first. And if you keep finding new evidence, not the same evidence, just shared on Facebook, but new evidence, genuine, not shared on Facebook, then you can be taken seriously. People worrying about the 5G phone signals just keep on sharing the same words from the same articles, just rewritten on a different website, clickbait. And it says that there is evidence from the World Health Organizations, the Cancer Research Agency um, within the WHO, that RF radiation is a Group 2B agent. And 2B agents are defined as possibly carcinogenic to humans. That's not enough evidence of harm to say it belongs in the normal Group 2, which is 2A, which is defined as probably carcinogenic. This is possibly Because there's not enough evidence of harmlessness that it belongs in group 3 or 4, which is defined as probably not carcinogenic. But do you know what else is in the 2B category? Coffee. Thyme. Sage. Red wine. Lingonberries. Sunflower seeds. Bracken. Fern plants. Oh my God, it makes it sound like the outside world is a dangerous place. Thank heavens for quarantine. No, It means we've got very good at measuring the carcinogenic possibilities of stuff, even when the risk is low. Do you know what's in the higher risk category? Things riskier than 5G? Crisps. Chips. Roasted barley. Rice crackers. Sweet potatoes. Black olives. Dried plums. Peanuts. Being on a night shift. The oral contraceptive. Lots of things that we think of as safe because... They are, although the oral contraceptive was in the very top category, actually, the same as cigarettes. Same as cannabis, too, actually. So the irony of people standing around smoking cannabis whilst they set fire to a 5G mast because of its risk does not escape me. Especially if they then go for a bag of chips afterwards. But is it all harmless anyway? Does it matter? I mean, we had exactly the same problem when microwave ovens came out. People complained then. When the 2G, the second generation mobile network started, and the 3G, and the 4G, when Wi-Fi routers came out and eventually it blew over, people forgot the conspiracies and they got on with their lives. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Conspiracy theories? Well, not if it's that a small percentage think there's a flat Earth. They were never going to become rocket scientists anyway. Literally. But it is a problem if it causes the spread of measles. Or as we've discovered lately, COVID-19. Because there are people who think that the people dying from it aren't real. 
that the government are making it up, that those people died of something else. And the doctors are lying about it, because if you put cause of death, COVID, on a death certificate, then they get more money. Or their beliefs that humans influence uh, climate change. If people think it's fake, then yeah, if those beliefs continue, then it is going to do harm. I think it's really important to understand critical thinking, as it's called, and the scientific method, because it transfers over to everything in your life. If you can learn to challenge those sorts of beliefs, then any beliefs, even the negative ones about yourself, can be improved. So, gosh, it was a long one today. Let's go disco. As always, look me up on Patreon if you would like weekly episodes. You'll be helping to save lives too, which is never a bad thing. So, have a great May. Wash your hands, stay safe, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.